Good morning, church. Today's reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, beginning at verse 31, and you can find it on page 1012. Jesus predicts his death. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. The way of the cross. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Brilliant. Thanks, Terry, very much. Oh, it's loud. Uh, morning, everybody. It is uh, good to see you this morning. Great to be here uh, together as we open God's word together as we look at this next value. Uh, so let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we are enjoying together in your presence, singing, praising, praying, trusting you, uh, hearing your word. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to open our hearts to your truth, to your challenge, to your conviction, to your spirit's work of building us up as your people, that we might live lives pleasing to you, uh, good for us because they're pleasing to you and glorifying to Jesus. So speak, uh, we pray, and give us ears to hear, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Brilliant. So we are uh, back in these values. Well, we had the first one last week, this one. This week we're in our second value. Of course, they've got the actions. Don't forget, we're going to learn those actions. Uh, and we'll continue to learn them. Gracious welcome, courageous commitment, humble compassion, joyful celebration, extravagant generosity. Uh, these are the things we want to mark uh, us as a church. And uh, last Sunday we thought about our value of, of gracious welcome. And we reflected a little bit on that verse, a beautiful verse, those words of Jesus, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus welcomes whoever would come to him, knowing their need, like little children, empty-handed. If we come to Jesus with great humility, he welcomes us, and he offers us, promises us rest for the soul. And that is wonderful. He promised to give us his yoke, which is easy and light. 
And you know, it's wonderful. I do nothing to earn my salvation. I come by grace alone, through Christ alone, through faith in him, and I'm received, welcomed. That is joy, that is freedom, that is wonderfully true. If you're not sure about that, Hope Explored will be a brilliant chance for you to come and think about the Christian faith. Explore it with some others. Think about what the claims of Jesus. But that was our, our, our value last week. We heard that beautiful invitation of Jesus. Now we hear from the lips of Jesus, the same Jesus, something which I think might feel a bit like a contradiction, or at least it feels like a contrast with those words of freedom, welcome to come and find rest. For for Mark 8 verse 34, we just had it read, Jesus says these same words, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. This is a call to a life of dedication, of devotion, of all-out allegiance to Jesus, of dying to self and to the world. That's what it means, to take up your cross, is to die. You know, in the first century, if someone was you saw someone carrying a cross, dragging a cross beam uh, over the, on their shoulder, it meant only one thing, there was no going back. There was no last-minute clemency. The cross meant death. So to take up your cross is to die. For the first disciples, of course, it meant physical death. All 11 remaining disciples were, were martyred. We know that in some parts of the world still today, that is a possibility to be martyred for your faith in Jesus, for following Jesus You may literally be taking up your cross, ready to die. That's why Open Doors have launched their world watch list again this week. 50 most dangerous places in the world to be a Christian. And we want the government to understand that so that they can uh, be advocates for the life of Christians around the world. And of course all other uh, minorities, but Christians the most persecuted group in the world by a long way. For some, taking up your cross means literally to die. For us, of course, to follow Jesus, uh, to carry our cross, to take up our cross, won't mean physical death, not in the the West, but it may mean death. Well, it will mean death to worldly ambition. It will mean death to our desire for popularity. It will mean death to certain relationships. In a world that is driven by self, by self-esteem, self-help, self-fulfillment, self-promotion, the call to self-denial is radical. It's more radical than than it's ever been probably, this call to self-denial. And the call of Jesus as he welcomes us freely to come to him to find rest for our souls is this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. This is the invitation. Uh, And this is the value that we're talking about today. Uh, This value of courageous commitment. Uh, This is the um, little underscore of, of this value, courageous commitment. As those for whom Jesus gave everything, we will live sacrificially for him in our daily lives. That's what we want to see, is that's what God wants for us, to live sacrificially, uh, to be people of courageous commitment. Uh, Ernest Shackleton, when he was heading off to uh, the South Pole, he advertised, I gather, in the Times, and he said this, uh, men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, 
bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful. Honour and recognition in case of success. I mean, he was hardly selling it, was he? You know, constant danger. It's not in the small print, it was in the main adverts. Apparently, over 5,000 men responded to the adverts. Uh, you see, it was a call to an adventure with the cost up front, a call to courageous commitment. And you know, the call from Jesus is the same it is a call to an adventure, but there is a cost up front. Whoever would be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. So, you know, going God's way has, has always required courageous commitment. If you've read your Bible, you'll know that. We see it throughout the Bible, whether it's Abraham leaving his home and his family and the place he's familiar to going to the, the unknown, courageous commitment. Or Moses going to Pharaoh, that, that omnipotent power in Egypt. Or Joshua leading the people into the promised land. Or, or a tiny David facing the monster Goliath. Courageous commitment. Or Queen Esther going into the king's presence, requesting a, an entrance into the king's presence, which usually meant death. Uh, or Elijah up against Ahab and Jezebel. Or do you remember those three young men, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego? Wonderful story in, 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 in Babylon commanded to bow down before King Nebuchadnezzar's great statue or to be killed, to be thrown into this uh, ugly fire. And in the face of absolute authority, in the face of uh, death hanging over them, we see their remarkably courageous commitment, these three young men. This is what they say. They sing, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. And courageous commitment. And do you know, uh, they are thrown into the fire. And of course, you know the story. God does deliver them wonderfully, gloriously. That's not always the case. God doesn't deliver every person in the Bible, and certainly not in history, who stood up for him. And yet those who demonstrate that courageous commitment are secure in God's hands. Because, of course, we know that life beyond the grave exists. Our, our measure is not in this world alone. Death is the doorway to life. You know, we see this courageous commitment throughout the Old Testament for the people of God. And it's the same in the New Testament. Of course, you know, Matthew 10, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples. Uh, it's exciting. Jesus says, look, uh, as you go, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. I think the disciples were thinking, hey, this is going to be so cool. We have got power and authority. We are going to have a blast. And people are going to say, come on in, you know, welcome. You are welcome. And, and we're going to get some celebrity out of this because it's powerful and, and strong. And then, and then Jesus says, but by the way, you know, uh, don't take anything with you. No gold or silver or even copper. No money. Uh, don't take a spare shirt. Don't take sandals. Don't pack your bags. None of the normal securities. Don't, don't take any of that. Oh, and by the way, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. And you're going to be arrested and you're going to be handed over to the authorities and you're going to be flogged. 
Oh, oh you'll be hated, by the way, because of me. Uh, you know, the twelve went out, eyes wide open. That's courageous commitment, because Jesus said, this is going to be the way. Oh, here's the book of Acts, isn't there? Peter and John hauled up before the Sanhedrin, that sort of most powerful Jewish high court, because they've been preaching about Jesus. And they're told to stop, and they say, look, we can't stop. We've got to do what God tells us. And, and then Luke comments, he says, look, when, when they, the Sanhedrin, saw the courage of Peter and John, realized that they were just unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. <laughs> They'd been with Jesus, and therefore they had that courageous commitment to live for him. Paul, later on in Acts, is told by Agabus, the prophet, do you remember, don't go to Jerusalem because they're going to come and bind you up and take you. And he didn't just tell him, he took Paul's belt off his waist and he banded his hands up and said, this is going to be what happens to you if you go up to Jerusalem. And everyone is pleading with Paul not to go. They're saying, come on, don't go, Paul, don't be silly, just don't go because you're going to be arrested and then, and then tried and, and, and killed. And, and Paul says this, he says, look, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound but also to die in Jerusalem for the sake of the name of the Lord Jesus. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Courageous commitment is going to be required for anyone who wants to be a disciple of Jesus. Because it's hard and it's difficult and the path is narrow and it is go him is a is a hard way. It can be a dangerous thing. And and so I guess that the big question is that well, why? So why would you do that? Why this call to courageous people? Why on earth would, would anyone heed the call? From Jesus. Now, I know we're all different. Some, some would say, oh, come on, bring it on, because they love adventure, they love risk, they love to do something like that. Some of us are more kind of, that's you know, the people who responded to Shackleton's advert. That was 5,000. The other 50,000, 500, 500 million, you know, would have shut the, uh, the, the newspaper and said, no thanks, because most of us like it broad and easy and straightforward and to be popular, and to be affirmed, and not to deny ourselves. Maybe I'm just talking about myself, I don't know. Uh, so why this call to courageous commitment? Why, why should we do it? Why should we follow it? Uh, because we, f we simply follow the pattern of Jesus, which leads to life. It's the same Jesus who says, come and you find rest for the soul, who says, take up your cross and follow me. See, we're following the pattern of Jesus. Back in Mark 8, if you've still got your Bibles open, uh, that's great at Mark 8. If you haven't, just reopen them, page 1012. You see, the disciples have just discovered Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, God's anointed king, the deliverer of Israel. And they're delighted because they're immediately thinking, whoa, great, the God's anointed king has arrived and, and we're on his side and anointed kings have thrones and crowns and, and privilege and power and, and oh, we're with him so we're going to have thrones and crowns and privilege and power. That's immediately going to be their, their thoughts. And then we read verse 
31, Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He's the Messiah, and Jesus is now saying, first time of his three predictions, I'm going to suffer and die. And clearly, Peter doesn't like it. You know, we're thinking thrones and crowns, not suffering and death, Jesus. Uh, And so he says, verse 32, uh, he spoke plainly about this, Jesus, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But of course, that doesn't go down well, uh, because Jesus makes clear how Peter has got it so far wrong. He says, but when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Peter rebukes Jesus. Uh, Jesus then rebukes Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely the concerns of man. So they've come off the screen there. You see, the pathway for Jesus is set. Jesus comes into the world knowing that he is going to the cross. It is going to be unimaginably hard for Jesus. Satan's already tried to offer him an easier way out, those temptations in the wilderness. Just bow down before me and I'll give you everything. Uh, And Jesus has overcome the temptations of Satan. Uh, He doesn't now need his disciples distracting him from the way of the cross. God's anointed king will, will wear a crown of thorns before he wears a crown of gold. Suffering and death will be the route to glory and eternal life for Jesus. And his death will be for the sins of the world, for yours and for mine. It'll be the only way that we can be restored into fellowship with God through the death of Jesus. There will be, for Jesus, a cross before a crown. It was the pattern for Jesus. It will be the pattern for his true disciples. There will be no crown if there is no cross. And that is the way to life. For Jesus, it was, of course, it was, it was resurrection. Every time he predicts his death, three times in Mark's Gospel, he, he, he adds, and three days later he will rise. The disciples kind of miss that a little bit, but, but Jesus makes it clear. The death and the suffering is going to happen, but it will not be the end because he will rise. Jesus goes to the cross to defeat death. He then conquers death as he comes out of the grave. He rises to new life. He ascends into heaven. And he offers that life to all who believe, to all who hear his invitation, to all who choose to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. That is the way to life. Which is why he says, Mark 8, verse 35, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. You see, this is the, the way to life. It's through the cross, through the cross of Jesus, and then through carrying our own cross. It is the way to life by losing our life in this world, by dying to self. The Apostle Paul put it like this on his deathbed. As he got to the end of his life, he says, I've fought the good fight, I've run the race, I've kept the faith, and now there awaits for me a crown of righteousness. It's a reminder, Christians, we're in a fight. It's hard, it's difficult. We don't use the weapons of this world, we're not in that kind of fight. It's a good fight. 
using the weapons of, 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 the, of, the, of, the, word, of the word. But, but a, a fight, nevertheless, it requires courageous commitment if we're going to be in this Christian fight and life. We're in a race. It's a long race. It's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It requires hard work. Who's done a marathon here? Hands up if you've done a marathon. Got any marathon runners? Oh, we yeah, have got at least two or three around here. That's good. Uh, it's hard, isn't it? Is it hard? I've never done one because it was too hard for me. Uh, you've got to keep going. You keep persevering. This is the point. This is the Christian life. It is difficult. It's hard because it's easy to give up. And Paul's on his deathbed. He said, I've done it. I've, I've run the race. I've fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. And now there's a crown of righteousness for me. In a similar way, he used that same kind of imagery, that tough image. Run, he says to the Christians, in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. He's saying the Christian life, it's hard, it's tough. You've got to train, you've got to work hard, you've got to be courageous, you've got to be committed. There's a crown that will last forever. A cross, then a crown. The, it's not all that Jesus says, does he? He, he encourages us on. There's, there's words that encourage us on. It would be wrong to avoid the, the warning too. Should we see what he says? Verse 38, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Do you notice the, the warning here is, is about uh, being ashamed of me and my words. That is, as Christians, we are to be shaped by God's words. Uh, our thinking, our values, our allegiances are to be shaped by the teaching of Scripture, of uh, of. of the words that Jesus spoke and the words he affirmed as he affirmed all of Scripture to be God's word. Uh, and that's countercultural. It is hard to hold some of these truths in our current day. You know, the exclusive claim of Jesus to be the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father. I mean, that takes courageous commitment to, to say that in in our world, in our relativist uh, world. Perspectives around human identity, sexuality, your sex being God's wonderful gift, but designed for marriage. Marriage being for man and a man and a woman. It takes courageous commitment to, to hold on to those truths. That teaching on, on greed and worldliness that cuts against our consumer culture, you know, especially in our affluent society. It takes courage, courageous commitment to, to say that in our affluent world. Teaching about the inherent value of human life from embryo to old age. It takes courageous commitment today to say things like that, to believe things, to hold them. But if we want to be distinctively Christian, unashamed of the words of Jesus, you know, we'll need courage and commitment 
I think we need to be willing to be misheard, misrepresented, to be accused of being intolerant or uh, narrow-minded or holier than thou. But if we do face that kind of hostility, so long as we are motivated by a heart of love and compassion, we do things with gentleness and respect, well, we will simply be standing with Jesus, whose path took him to the cross before he received the crown of glory. There will always be a temptation to be ashamed, I, I think. Yeah, I, I like Paul's confident words at the beginning of, of Romans 1. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of salvation for all who believe. And I always think that you wouldn't say, I am not ashamed, unless you felt you might be ashamed or other people felt ashamed or wanted to keep their heads down or keep quiet. Someone dying on a cross seems such a foolish thing. It's a symbol of weakness, the cross. It's never going to be popular or powerful. We're never going to make it in the world and, and be a big hit. So it requires faith and courage and commitment to hold on to it and to share it with others. You know, living and sharing the good news of Jesus it will require courageous commitment for us all. So, so if this is what Jesus is calling us to, and, and uh, if it's following the pattern which leads to life, but it is hard, and, and uh, you know, how are we going to do it? How are we going to manage to keep going? Uh, well, two ways, two ways as we draw towards a close. Uh, firstly, we'll be encouraged by God's people. Although only you as an individual can respond to God's command, to Jesus' invitation to come to him, to find rest for the soul, to take up your cross, to, to follow him. Only you can, do, you can do that as an individual. Uh, once you do it, you become part of a family. Once you, you join with Jesus uh, on, on his journey, then, then you're, you're, you're doing it together. You're, we're doing it with others. We're doing it with one another as a, as a church. And if you're going to keep going, you'll need one another. You know, Paul was keen to show the Christians in Philippi. He said, uh, he said look, I'm, I'm so glad that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. you know, unity is a theme of the letter of, uh, of Philippians. And Paul says it's vital because of opposition because you're going to be up against it. So, so you need to be together. Uh, for me, the picture of the rugby scrum always comes to mind. You know, those massive eight blokes. I mean, they're big enough on their own, but put eight of them together, it is very hard to push against. Uh, uh, we need one another. And that's why meeting together is so important. Meeting together regularly as God's people, whether it's on a Sunday like today or, or, or in a small group. You know, not just when you feel like it, not just when the, the sort of weather's nice, not when it fits your schedule. I mean, that's being a consumer. It's like watching Netflix or taking up a hobby. You, kind of, you fit it into your schedule. You fit it around your diary. Uh, uh, that isn't what worshipping Jesus is about. We're not taking up a hobby. We're taking up a cross. We're dying. We're dying to self to live for Jesus. It's committing, even when it means sacrificing the lion or the, the trip out or another alternative. We need each other. We need one another. And, and others need you. Sometimes you think, oh, well, people don't need me. I mean, you know, because uh, they won't even notice I'm here. I'll slip in and slip out. But, but actually, we know everyone notices each other. Just you're walking through the door is, is an encouragement to others to say, yeah, you can keep going. I can keep going this week in that courageous commitment of following Jesus. 
Uh, we need to, to keep hearing and sharing God's word with one another if we're going to keep going, if we're going to be not just blending into the world, but being distinctive, different, unashamed of our faith, loving people as we live and share the good news of Jesus. Uh, we'll need each other if we're to do that. And, and so, so keep coming, get involved, keep getting more involved as you can be in life of service, in life of loving others. Just stay around for coffee afterwards if you normally slip away and, and talk to somebody, be encouraged, come for prayer. Do, let's, let's be building one another up in our faith and our courage for living for Jesus. Uh, the second thing, and this is even more important, and this is where we close, uh, we'll be able to do this because we will be empowered by God's presence. Because I have to say, I am not naturally very brave. I would not have been on that Ernest Shackleton adventure. I can say that straight away. Uh, I don't really like change. Uh, I generally prefer things that are easy and straightforward. I really don't like conflict or saying hard things. And of course, being a Christian, being a church leader requires all of those things. Uh, so throughout my ministry, I have treasured those words, which I'm so glad that um, we sung them earlier. Those words to Joshua, he's taking leadership over from Moses, from this great giant, and he's called to lead God's people into the promised land. And, and we had them read earlier, I'm glad we had them read. Have I not commanded you, says God to Joshua, be strong, courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you I've held on to those words throughout my 25 years of, of ministry. Uh, Jesus, of course, promises the same, doesn't he? Matthew 28, 18 to 20, great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, and lo, I will be with you until the very end of the age. He said, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going anywhere. I did hear a talk once saying, no low without go, as in he doesn't promise to be with you if you don't go. You know, if you're sitting watching the telly, he's not promising to be with you. He's promising to be with you when you go into the world and, and make disciples when you live with courageous commitment, when you take up your cross and follow him. Jesus says, though, I'm going to be with you. And Timothy says it like this. He says, for the spirit God gives us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives to encourage us, strengthen us, and enable us to live for Jesus. So it is a great adventure. We, God, Jesus calls us to this life of adventure. So it's not just the cross now and the crown in the future. As we live the life of the cross and self-denial and following Jesus, it is an exciting, it's an adventure. He is with us, he is present, he is going to strengthen us and enable us to make a difference in the world. But we have got to hear that call and we've got to take it seriously. And we've got to choose to follow. So Elise is going to come up and the, and the band and we're going to sing in, in response uh, to what we've been hearing. Uh, just as they come, perhaps just a moment of quiet. Just a moment to hear that call of Jesus afresh. Whoever would be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Perhaps just in this moment as we await, you might make that commitment afresh to Jesus. As he says those words to you, what does that look like for you in this week ahead? What will courage and commitment to Jesus as you follow him look like?